Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Chapter 21, good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Good to see you, Rex, today. And whoever that other guy is beside you, I'm not sure. He's just like, I remember whenever he kind of toddled in here, it would seem like. But now he's grown up and such. So glad to have both of you today. Everybody, Stephen, again, good to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Different ones that have been sick. Sister Brenda, it's good to see you this morning. Amen. Coming back from camp and being sick and overtaken and being here and so on and so forth. Different ones. Ethan, good to have you this morning as well. All the different ones that are here. I start calling names. Brother Fred, it's glad to have you today. And uh, just different. Aaron Brown, we're glad to have you. You know, you, the volunteer of the month is among us here today. And so we're glad. Amen. To have him this morning. John chapter 21. Amen. This is our last lesson for the gospel of John. We started this in April of 2020. Started this gospel in 2020. We did connect groups, of course, last year and this year, so that interrupted the, the process, so to speak. Uh, but so this is our last installment after what I have down is 60 lessons through the gospel of John. Amen, that we have done. So if you don't know anything about John, don't tell me because I'm going to feel disappointed. <laughs> and feel like I'm going to take like 60 more lessons. Amen. John chapter 21, starting with verse number 15, the Bible states these words. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now put yourself in Simon's shoes here for a moment, okay? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying what, by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Then Peter, turning about, see if the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith to him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that, the, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. We know that this testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. 
the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that should be written. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you uh, from this subject. Love follows through. Love follows through. Amen. This morning, we're going to pray. Before I get started, for the past two weeks, I've had my lovely wife sitting right here in the front pew. I just want you to know I love seeing her right there on the front pew on Sunday mornings. Amen. At least these past two. Amen. If that's okay. If not, you can deal with me. But I love seeing her there on the front pew. Lord Jesus, I come to you this day. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for your word. God, let your word, Lord Jesus, one more time come by and penetrate our very souls and our hearts. I pray, oh God, as we, Lord Jesus, come to the closure of this study of the gospel of John, I pray, oh God, enlighten us one more time, God, through and by your word, and will not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen, of the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated today in Jesus' name. Again, from last week, we understand that there are seven disciples that decided to go fishing as they awaited uh, the appearance of the Lord. They knew that he would come. He told them, frankly, uh, before all of this occurrence, that he would meet them in Galilee. And so there are seven disciples that awaited his appearance. And now that he has appeared, they have made their way to shore uh, with much fish and they are dining with the Lord and Jesus has a charcoal fire already lit with fish on it cooking and he also has bread that is there for them to eat and Jesus in this time around about the fire asked some questions of Simon Peter now remember there's six others disciples there but he singles out Simon Peter from the rest and he asked him in essence the same question three times uh, I don't know if you've ever been there where someone asks you the same question and you give them the same answer and it's like we got a communication problem going on here uh, but nonetheless the same question is asked three times in essence is this Jesus was asking him do you love me and interestingly in the past Peter was also near a fire when there were three different individuals that were attempting to associate him with the Lord uh, back whenever the Lord was going through his trial and his, his brutal beating and mocking uh, of his trial around Pilate and Herod and these different ones, it was there that Peter followed at a distance and he was around another fire and people were saying, aren't you one of them? I believe he's, he's one of the Galileans. He was with the Lord. And each time that that was brought up to Peter, he denied knowing the Lord. Peter denied, as you know, some know, I should say, that he denied Jesus three times around the vicinity of a fire. And so sure, Surely he, he, he couldn't be around a fire. If you denied the Lord three times in the context of a fire burning, I believe, Bishop, that you couldn't be around a fire without remembering what you had did back then in that moment. That would forever be sealed and seared in your heart and mind. So surely he couldn't be around a charcoal fire now on the shore. Jesus, another, another element of back then, Jesus being there as well without thinking about his times of denying the man that was standing there right now. And perhaps that memory stirred something. And so Jesus is asking Peter, not once, 
not twice, but yes, three times, do you love me? It's almost as though, as do you recall denying me, Peter? And can you now affirm your love for me? It's almost he's purposely asking him each time if he loves him for each time that Peter had denied him around the fire context with the Lord being there as well. It's almost as if Jesus wanted an affirmation uh, of Peter's real love toward the Lord for each time that he had denied him in the past. And so the first question was a little lengthier than the others that followed. Jesus asked in the first question like this, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? You can read, you can study. There have been several different opinions about what the these may have been referring to. Some believe the these that Jesus was referring to was the boat and the nets and the fishing gear and the fish even on the fire that was so familiar to Peter uh, Simon son of Jonas lovest thou me more than the boat and the fishing and the gear and the fish others think that perhaps that these were the other disciples Peter do you love me more than this group and band of the camaraderie that you have with this, this your colleagues called the disciples there's others that believe and this is what I tend to lean toward is do you love me more than these other disciples love me the first doesn't seem to be because fishing had never been or created a problem with Peter with his relationship with the Lord when when the Lord first come told Peter follow me and he was out uh, mending nets and they were out washing nets and they were out fishing there was no hesitation Peter did it and he never seen fishing never seemed to be a problem amen between the Lord and Peter he was willing to leave them the first time he, he was always seemingly willing to leave them to go to the Lord the second reason doesn't to hold any ground of Peter loving the Lord perhaps more than uh, the other disciples or loving the other disciples more than what he loved the Lord. He cared for them, yes, to a certain degree, but he did not care for them more than what he cared for the Lord. But the third reason casts some meaning upon the question because different times leading up to this moment, Peter had put himself in a position that he was different from any other disciple, that he had a love and affection and a tenacity to follow the Lord more than any disciple. His willingness for the Lord seemed to be greater than any of the disciples. He put himself forward as that. The Bible says in Matthew 26 and verse 33, Peter answered, here is one of the places that he did such a thing. Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. So here's Peter saying, yeah, Lord, I, I, my, my, my devotion is better than their devotion. Putting himself forward. Luke 22 and verse 23, another time he said unto the Lord, he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Notably that he spoke that right all before he even denied the Lord. He's putting himself forward. And so the Lord's asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? Do you, do you love me more than all these others? You've always put your for, yourself forward as that, but do you love me? And Peter's reply, notice Peter doesn't put himself forward in his reply. He doesn't like say, yeah, I love you better than these guys love you. I'm more devoted than these guys. I'll stay truer than these guys. Why? Because he already had a denial in his background. He understood they all stood at the level of the foot of the cross. He doesn't compare his love for the Lord with anybody else's because he understands 
friends. This walk with God is not a competition between him and his fellow neighbor. He understands that this walk in relation with the Lord is not anything concerning about comparing ourselves among ourselves. We got to answer for our own love and our own devotion to the Lord without it being without it being promoted by anybody else, lifted up, compared to. Brother Fred, you're going to love the Lord and that's great, but I got to love the Lord. I got to be devoted. I got to follow the Lord. It doesn't matter if Brother Malone does it less than me. That doesn't mean that I can do it less. Can't play the comparison game. Amen. It's not, look at this, it's not though all men love you like such and such. Peter doesn't say that. He's not like, well, they love you like such and such, but I'm different and I love you like this. No, he's not trying to outshine anybody else in this moment. It's simply about he and his relationship with the Lord. He says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And might I say today that Jesus does know the level and the depth of our love. He knows when our love is becoming polluted. He knows when our love is becoming impure. And he knows when we're doing the best that we can do to stoke the fire of our love for him. We are, folks, I don't know, sometimes we are some of the most ignorant things upon the planet because we think we can bluff God. I mean, the one that created the heavens and the earth, spun all things into orbit, through scripture, answered questions that people had in their minds that they never spoke in their mouth, and we think we can bluff God. We are so ignorant sometimes. The language, the spoken language, perhaps, no doubt, between Peter and Jesus would have been the language of Aramaic. The Aramaic word for love is huba. It derives from a root word that means to set on fire. In essence, when Jesus in Aramaic was asking Peter, do you love me? He wanted to know how passionate Peter was toward him. He wanted to know... Peter, are you set on fire? Are you set on fire for me? The exchange between Peter and Jesus, again, most likely taking place in the language of Aramaic, but for our purposes in our Bible, it is translated from a Greek language language. Scholars have highlighted some of the differences through the Greek translation. I'm not trying to get bogged down in languages here today, but in the Greek language that this is translated from that you have in your Bibles, the first two times that Jesus asked Peter if he loved him in the Greek was the, the word agape or agapeo, which is that love of total commitment. It's known as the, the true love of God. He asks each time, do you love me? Do you have, Peter, do you have total commitment to me? The first two times, do you have total commitment to me? Which Peter would reply with, yes, I love you. A different word for love, philia, which just means that he had an affectionate love toward the Lord. The Lord was asking him, do you have a total commitment? And Peter was saying, I have an affectionate love towards you. And then the last time that Jesus spoke to him, he used Peter's word. He used the word filio. Do you have an affection toward me? And Peter says, yes, I have an affection towards you. There's a lot of people, and this is neither here or there for me this morning. Most will not emphasize the difference between these two because our dear writer of the Gospel of John uses both filio and agape interchangeably. Nonetheless, I wonder if something could be 
conveyed here. Because the first two times he asks, are you totally committed to me? Peter says, I have affection for you. The last time Jesus asked him, do you have an affection for me? And Peter says, I have affection for you. And the Bible says the third time Peter is grieved. No doubt being asked the same question three times, it would get just a little irritating. But could he even be grieved because he may have changed things up just a little bit and asked him if he had an affection for him. Can I tell you today, through just that line of the Greek language, here's what I begin to consider, is that Jesus is asking for total commitment. And many times we're just saying, I just have an affection for you. He asked for total commitment, and we just say, I have an affection for you. That our God is willing to stoop to your level and ask you, are you affectionate? Just because he knows he can lead you from affection to total commitment. That that might not be where you are, but he'll stoop to where you are to get you to where he wants you to be. Amen. Someone say amen. Because there's no doubt there are very levels and depths of love that's here this morning concerning their relationship with God. There's some that just have an affection for the Lord. There's some that just likes the emotionalism that happens in a service at time and that feeling that comes and that goosebump that arises. Some just like him as the provider. They like that aspect of God as he shows up and supplies the need and heals the body and takes away the fevered brow. But God's ultimate question that he started with, are you total committed to me? There's many of us today that might not be at the total commitment stage but God will condescend again to where you are to bring you up to a place of total commitment unto the Lord amen will you will you be totally committed unto me will you be set on fire for me. Ooh. Ooh. Jeremiah said, I was weary and forbearing, I could not stay, but your word was in my heart as a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. There are other there are other words as you look through the scripture. You see in our English Bibles, Jesus said, Feed my lambs. You see that he responded to Peter, feed my sheep. You see again where he said, feed my sheep. You could look at the word lamb, sheep, and sheep. And again, there's some differences in the Greek about what is what. And, and, and not the same word was used all of those times. But I believe it's essential to note in all of this that Jesus is turning Peter's attention to the sheep or the lambs for a purpose. It did not matter whether or not they were male lambs, female lambs, or just immature sheep. Or mature sheep. Amen. The question was, Peter, do you love me? And when he said yes, he says, feed my lambs or feed my sheep. Male, female, immature, mature, feed them. John, what he has done for us, has created a parallel in this gospel about Jesus' sheep. Amen. Those, the Bible says, and we'll look at it here in John 10 in a moment. Those that believe not, John has already told us, And Jesus has already told us those that believe not are not his sheep. Therefore, the believers are those that hear his voice and are his sheep. Look at John 10 and verse 26. We looked at this, it feels like now years ago. Amen. But verse 26, Jesus said, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto thee, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow 
me. One scholar said it like this. Obedience is the essential evidence of genuine love. I want to say that again. Obedience is the essential evidence of genuine love. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Now, listen, whenever you're your child and you got parents or you got, it's the parent-child relationship and, and you told your kid, go clean your room and then you followed it up by saying, you better listen to me. Or you say, did you hear me? What you're saying in that, when you say, did you hear me or you better listen to me, you know what you're saying? Obey. We use the word listen and hear to indicate obedience. Jesus said, my sheep hear. They hear, or if you will, they obey my voice. Jesus' sheep hear and obey his voice. And obedience is evidence of love. And this is seen with the apostle Peter. He boasted about love. He gave lip service, if you will, about his love toward the Lord. We've already read the scripture. He said, I'll go with you, Lord, even unto death. He's professing his love. Yet, shortly after that profession, he denied the Lord three times. He had a profession of love. So a profession of love is not real love. The profession of love, the lip service of love, the good intentions of love is not love. The proof of love is found in obedience. The proof of love is whenever love follows through. Huh? For instance, let's look a few scriptures. Brother Mason, we're going to go through the next four a little quickly. John 4, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, anybody know the second half of that? Keep my commandments. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. First John chapter 5 and verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. That word grievous means his commandments are not burdensome. 2 John chapter 1 and verse 6. This is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk therein. Obedience is the proof of love because obedience is the byproduct of love. Obedience is the proof of loving God because when you love God, you find yourself being obedient to God. Someone say amen. Amen. So what Peter has here in the moment, he says, I practice professions of love. I practice saying I loved you and I would do more for you than anybody else would do. I've said that I would die for you, but now he's saying, do you love me? He's saying, will you follow through? Will you be obedient? Will you, oh yeah, will you, so to speak, will you put your money where your mouth is? Will you? Someone say amen. So there is a notion here. And each time that he says that, and the Lord says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my ewes, feed my rams. You know, feed all these male and female and mature, immature sheep. There's a notion here with the three questions of whether Peter loves 
Jesus. And then Jesus, with his response, directs Peter to feed or to care for the sheep. Because to love Jesus is to love and nurture, follow me here just a little bit, his church. That each of us, according to the word, when we're born again of water and spirit, become a part of. The Bible says in, first, uh, in Colossians 1 that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Ephesians 5 says similarly that he is the head of the body, his church. And when we are, the Bible says that we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, the church. And so whenever you love Jesus, who is the head of this body, then the Lord points Peter and says, feed my sheep, feed my uh, rams, feed my, whether they're immature, whether they're mature, because to love Jesus, to love him is to love the body that each is, each of us is made a part of. In this, Jesus has taken us back to the greatest two commandments that he told the lawyer in the scripture there were. And that is to love God and what? Love your neighbor. Matter of fact, and even in one place, it goes a little further. And Galatians 6 tells us to do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. See, before Peter was trying to make himself more important than his colleagues, before he was trying to rise above all the rest, but now he's instructed by the Lord, have other people's best in mind rather than your own. See, loving Jesus is still about loving people. And this wasn't the only litmus test of loving Jesus here in the scripture. This was proving the proving of Peter's ministry that he would have. Because listen, in Acts and I said last week, we needed chapter 21 because we had the whole denial of Peter and we never read anything else about it till chapter 21, we read about it. And then in Acts, we see him preaching on the day of Pentecost and calling people to repentance and all that. So we really need that link because we're a little confused. If not, this whole happening is the proving of Peter's ministry because in Acts, then Jesus is going to entrust Peter to preach a message on Pentecost to a crowd of people. Huh? To a crowd of people. And he needed to know before he entrusted him to the crowd at Pentecost. Do you love me? Then feed and nurture my sheep. And if you love me, you'll love people. And if you love people, I can allow you to stand at Pentecost. When people of every kindred, race, nation, and tongue will be gathered together and you can tell them how to love me. Someone say amen. He needed to know that. Corinthians tells us concerning love never fails. He needed to know the brass tacks that this was a man that was on fire for the Lord. Indeed, everything Peter had testified to was true. Jesus knew it. 
he spoke of Peter's future. You can look at this in verse number 18. Jesus began to speak of Peter's future in comparison to his younger years. He says, Peter, whenever you were young, he said, uh, uh, you, you, you girded yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go, wherever you desired. And Jesus, in all of this, even mentions in verse number 19, he mentions Peter's death. Whenever Peter was young, yes, this is how he lived it, just like every young person wants to live their life, right? Some of us live our lives ignorantly as young people, right? Uh, you think you got to sow wild oats. Let me tell you, young people, you don't have to. You don't have to sow your wild oats. Some think people think it's a rite of passage. It's a passage you don't have to go through. But nonetheless, Peter, he girded himself. He did whatever he would like to do. As a matter of fact, just in our story here of John 21, we see whenever he understood it was Jesus on shore, the Bible says he girt himself. He jumped into the water and he swam unto the shore. Amen. And so a young Peter walked wherever he wanted to go. A young Peter did whatever he desired. This is not in my notes this morning, but it's hit me. I don't. Maybe we need to bring them out here, amen, today. But a young Peter did whatever he wanted to do and did whatever he desired, amen. He did what he wanted to do, what he desired. Some of us, can I say even adults, some of us never grew up. However, Jesus begins to allude to the future of an old Peter. He says, and the apostle Peter, when you become old, someone else is going to gird you or someone else is going to bind you and you're going to be carried away to places you wouldn't otherwise go. And John tells us this is foreshadowing, this is the telling, signifying what death you should die. Historians tell us, you can read the Fox's Book of Martyrs and others, but stories tell us that Peter was crucified. Jesus was crucified. Peter was crucified. But whenever Peter was crucified, he requested that he would be crucified upside down because he didn't feel himself worthy to be crucified right side up like his Lord was crucified. And so indeed, when Peter was owed, he says here in Scripture that he would stretch out his hands and be girded or bound and led where he wouldn't go. He would stretch out his hands. Many times in scripture, even in Isaiah, you read of the stretching out of hands, it's talking about the crucifix. Not so much so when the nails were put through him, but when they would carry that upper beam that was on the cross as Jesus did, the part that they carry to Calvary's hill, they would stretch their hands out tether them, bind them, gird them to that, that upper beam and they would walk to the crucifix site, again being led somewhere for Christ's sake amen, that he wouldn't go himself, you know, so to speak it's not because he deserved going there but he would be led there and crucified upon the tree and so Jesus was telling Peter that as he got older and as he got more mature, instead of charting his own path he would be carried down a road that the immature Peter would not have went. I 
got to preach that for a moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's saying, Peter, there is a time in your life past that you wouldn't allow yourself to be led to Calvary. You wouldn't allow yourself to be led to a cross. You wouldn't allow yourself to be girded. You wouldn't allow yourself to be bound. He said, but now you've gotten a little bit more mature. And now that your love is on fire. And now that you are in a deeply loved relationship with me, as you get older and mature in this thing, you allow yourself to be fastened and you allow that to lead you to a cross of crucifix. The New Testament writer, is it Corinthians? So when I was a child, I did as a child. He said, but whenever I became a man, he said, I put away childish things. Someone say amen. He's saying, when you're old, you're going somewhere that an immature Peter would have never have went. Someone say amen. Peter's death, the Bible says, brought glory to God. Brother Mason, as I was studying this this week, the, the verse that Brother Wagner used at your mother's funeral came back to me. How precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. And it brought back to my mind because the Bible says that Peter's death would bring glory to God. That when we are in love with the Lord. Bishop, when we come to the degree of total commitment to the Lord. Our very deaths bring glory to God. Because when we are laid out in that casket, we're not just talking about a life lived. We're talking about a life that was devoted to something besides itself. That gives glory. Other people will lay up here or where we do funerals and we'll talk about their philanthropy and we'll talk about their good business mind and we'll talk about we have all the accolades of their eulogy and a lot of funerals are nothing but that, eulogizing the life. But most that I do that's been born again of the water and the spirit, I start by eulogizing their life but then I switch over to praising the adoration of the God that they devoted their life to and that they can, you know what that? does that gives glory unto God I've just borrowed this body I'm just borrowing this voice I'm just borrowing these ears whenever they lay Paul McGee in the grave I wanted to bring glory to God who cares what he did who cares what his status was in society was he totally devoted was he on fire glory to God. Our deaths glorify him because we have subjected ourselves to be carried away to a place we would not have formally went in our immaturity. Jesus told Peter, he says, follow, follow me. There in verse 19, after he says, this is going to, your death is signifying your death. It's going to bring glory to God. He says, follow me. Peter was to take up his cross, follow, quite literally, and follow the Lord. Because Peter, as the New Testament Scripture even tells us, the Lord's desire for each of us, this is in his word in Romans, is that we would be conformed to the image of his son. 
that he wants you to look like Jesus. In appearance, in talk, in walk, in actions, in decorum. I know this ain't popular, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not for a popularity contest. To be conformed to the image of his son. Do we understand the gravity of that? The image, ultimately for Peter, that image of his son was hung on a cross. That image with outstretched hands was bound and led away to Calvary's hill. And what drove him there, we all times ask, concerning the Lord. What led him there? And we've had songs written about it. Love. A love that loses itself in the shadows. The same love that Jesus is questioning Peter about. So Peter was told to follow the Lord. And in that question, guess what our good old buddy Peter does? He starts looking around. Anytime Peter looked around and he was in company with the Lord, it always got him in trouble. Consider walking on the water. <laughs> anyway, he began to look around and he saw John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, also following the Lord. Peter's life and each of our lives have a particular path, a specific path, as the Lord has just shared with Peter. But now... Peter's looking around. The Lord told me what's going to happen in my days as I get older. He's telling me to follow him now. I hear the plea, and now I'm looking around at others. Oh, don't go there again, Peter. I'm looking around at somebody else that's following the Lord, and I say, Lord, well, what about, what about John? Huh. I don't know if Peter's about ready to jump back on the compare paths horse. I've been asked to follow the Lord. He's following the Lord. Listen, your path may not look like my path. But hopefully our destiny is the same. You may have a bend in the road where mine is straight. Yours may be a mountainous region, whereas mine may be in the desert. But I do guarantee this. Every path that leads to heaven has repentance a part of it. Water baptism a part of it in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But there can be a lot of other variables that's peculiar to each individual along the path. And here's my plea to you. You cannot jump ship because your path is different from somebody else's. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, what is it to you if I have old John over there not even die he stays alive until I come back. And look what he says. What's that to you? That's pretty harsh. His word then of, of instruction to Peter was, follow me. He said, you're worried about John. Why don't you get worried about you? I've already told you to follow me. He said, but you're looking over here at John. His path may not look like your path. You might die on a cross upside down. He's going to be put eventually in boiling pot of oil, survive that, and then be put on the aisle called Patmos and be one of the last disciples to die. Your paths are not going to look the same. But all of you have the same instruction. You need to follow me. Huh? 
So I can't say, well, what about Mike Penrod? Well, what about Mike Penrod? Well, what about Kevin Adams? Well, what about Kevin Adams? Well, what about Matt? What about Maddie? What about Paul McGee? See, we'll use other people to either justify what we do or to magnify what we do. Whenever it's convenient. We'll use other people that's walking a lower load than we are to justify we're okay where we're at. Or we'll use other people and we'll magnify, amen, ourselves because of where they're at. Look at me. You got the wrong comparison. You want to make a comparison? Let it be between you and God. That's where the comparison is. Are you being conformed in the image of his son? That's where the comparison is. It's not about how me and Fred line up to one another. There's going to be some differences. I guarantee you. He's going to have some strengths where I'm weak. And I'm going to have some strengths where he's weak. Amen. There's going to be some differences. But the main thing is how do I line up with becoming a man formed and conformed into the image of his son? Someone say amen. What is that to you? Follow me. Some were going to die. I mean, poor James, I believe it was in Acts. Man, he was like the first of the martyrs, the first of the disciples to die. He went quick. Some are going to live longer. Jesus just wanted Peter to know that he couldn't worry about others and ignore his own need to respond. Couldn't worry about others and, and ignore his own need. There was only one item of importance. Follow the Lord. It's easy to divert our attention to others. Note now, because the Lord's talking to Peter, right? He has been all along the way. Do you love me? Listen to me very clearly this morning. If I ever grabbed your ear, please listen right now. It's easy to divert our attention to others when Jesus has placed the attention on us. so easy to sit there when the preacher is preaching, the teaching is going forth, and it's hitting you square through the eyes, and you then start thinking about how this really would apply to such and such, or that would really. What you're trying to do is divert where God's putting the attention. He's calling your name. He's reaching for you. He's asking you to follow, but you are trying to cause a diversion of the attention because you don't want it on you. do it with sermons Peter you have one job just follow me don't make it about somebody else God has singled you out Peter he's made it about you follow him if you'll stand with me today I'll try to hasten to a close the rest of the verses here for one verse 23 whenever the Lord says, if, if I will that John tarry till I come, what is that to you? Listen, folks, church has not changed much for centuries in some regards. Being the Lord said, if, or if I say if, it's a very conditional word. It's just like posture thing there. If I will that he didn't say that he would tarry. He just said, if the Bible says, as a result of all this, you can look at it. That there started among them, this became a common saying and went about. People were saying, John's not going to die till the Lord comes back. Just a little observation. A rumor started that John would not die, but that's not what was said. Church hasn't, church hasn't changed much. 
people in every generation mishear and misinterpret things and then start rumors about misinformation. That's a good sermon all on its own. Now they're going to have to straighten that whole mess out. (laughs) Here's the thing about stuff like that. They have to be dealt with and clarified. And no, no feathers in my cap, but you know who usually has to do it? You're looking at him. Well, gloom, doom, the rain's coming again. Someone grab an umbrella. (laughs) John finishes it all up with this. And we have been, again, we have been in this thing for 60 lessons, right? We have, we have inside out talked about the miracles, the seven notable miracles of John, all these different things that have happened. And yet John says basically this. There's more to be known about Jesus than what I've told you. There's more to be known about Jesus, for that matter, than ever could be recorded. If someone ever says anything to you about the Lord, and you're like, wow, that's great. That is just the tip of the iceberg of the Lord. If, he ever told, if anyone's ever told you about how a miracle took place in their body and they were instantaneously taken care of, it's just the tip of the iceberg of what all there is to the Lord. I couldn't ever write it all down for you. He says it would just fill the earth if we had every record. I couldn't write it all down for you. You know my best explanation to you of getting to know some of those other things about the Lord is for you to follow him and experience them for yourself. So the challenge to us today from the Lord in the latter portion of John 21 is he tells Peter, he's letting us know that love follows through. Love doesn't just talk. Love doesn't just make plans. Love demonstrates. Love is a choice. Love has actions that are associated with it. Can we begin to talk to the Lord this morning? Close our eyes, bow our heads. Brother Mason, if you could come. Hallelujah. We are finishing up 60 lessons on the Gospel of John the very key verses that tell us that so that we might know these things were recorded, these things were written so that we might know that he is the son of God and that knowing him that we would have life, that believing in him that we would have life through his name, it would be a tragedy for us to end this service this morning and not give opportunity for someone to come to an altar of prayer and perhaps experience life through his name and through his nature. Perhaps somebody today has an affection for the Lord but the Lord wants to lead you from the level of an affection to a total commitment with himself perhaps someone today has spoke about how Lord I'll never leave you I'll serve you I'll be there for you and maybe the Lord is challenging us to put a few actions with our words a few actions with our profession hallelujah we need to grow and be conformed into the image of his son we need to grow into and become a part of of, if you will, a mere image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the way that he handled his life. God, make me the way, God, that you are, Lord. God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, oh God. I need you this morning, Jesus. I need you this morning, Jesus. Can someone lift their hands right now? Thank you for listening. 
If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.